Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Transform TV podcast series. Today, we are joined by Anne Colleen uh, Keller, who is here joining us from Alteryx. She's the Director of Solution Marketing, uh, and she's going to be talking to us about some very interesting developments. So thank you so much for joining us. Why don't, I guess, yeah, to begin you, with, Maria. why don't you introduce, yeah. oh, my pleasure. Uh, we've got our cups of uh, tea and coffee respectively yes. here, so we're going to have a nice conversation. Coffee. Exactly. Um, now, uh, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey so far? I've been in operations and marketing for many, many years now. Um, I think my introduction to supply chain was when I was running uh, an operation department between the United States and Canada, uh, because I speak fully uh, French, because I'm originally from France. Um, Mm -hmm. I uh, was immediately put into the position of working with the Canadian and and shipping uh, and dealing with shipping uh, technological equipment. Uh, Immediately, we wanted to put together... uh, establish Oracle into the system. So not only was I responsible for uh, the first version, official version, actually the beta version of Oracle International, uh, which I uh, established inside the organization, but I also was the first to create an interface uh, between the Oracle system and the FedEx system in order to do uh, clearance ahead of time because of all the problems we were having at the time with clearance. So that was my first introduction to supply chain, right? And got to know it really deep well. Deep end. Because, yeah. Straight like, into the deep end. Like two yeah. feet in, uh, you know, burning on fire, <laughs> hair on fire, rah, you know, um, trying yeah. to get this stuff out there and build, and also working with a, with a, you know, an ISV at the time with Oracle, um, yeah. who was just putting this out and dealing with currency and edging of currencies and all that kind of stuff. So it was really an interesting journey. And then thereafter, really, I just, I remained in the, I've always been in a, a technologist. I've been in the industry for a long time, uh, both, um, you know, uh, creating hardware and software, both. Um, and have continued to really stay uh, in touch with uh, some of the larger ERP systems like SAP and Oracle systems, obviously, and all the offshoots that have come off of that. And, the, and, uh, and that's what's continued for me to, to continue selling and helping doing solutions and creating products um, and services, right, um, for folks who use those softwares. And of course, as you know, right, uh, being an enterprise mm. system, um, they uh, management system, they, uh, they have a lot of supply chain functions that come across them. So that's why I'm pretty familiar with it, obviously. Many years of, of establishing that and helping customers and services for that. So you've been on the user implementation end and you've, you've done it, you know, deep end, as you say, hair yeah. on fire, well, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> Let me ask you, um, you know, about the supply chain industry as a whole. How do you think from a technology perspective? I mean, besides the obvious technology has changed dramatically, but how have, have things changed uh, since you got started? Well, you know, I mean, it's it's always been pretty steady, right? I mean, if you think about it, all of those enterprise systems have just sort of been there for the past 20, 15 years. They've been established, you know, they'll have functional updates once in a while that you do. And some, you know, many organizations, as I found out when I was actually doing consulting for those um, for those systems, really reluctantly do some of the upgrades, right? I mean, unless there's mm-hmm. an absolute function they have to have, they're not going to go and spend the money to do the upgrades. Why? Because so many of them will do a lot of customization. And the customization is not done within the UI of the application. Most of the time it's done within the line of coding. 
which means yeah. that, and it's been, been done over time, sometimes by different organizations. So what happens is that you have this, this unknown code inside the line of coding, and you, sometimes you don't even know where it is, okay? And because you don't, you don't have a clear record of, of what happened, you have your C teams within a consulting firms who, who went in and did some, you know, some coding to fix something or to customize something. Um, and then it's sitting there and then you try to do an upgrade. Well, there's no way, you know, that that vendor knows how that's going to break anything that you've written yourself. Right. So what ends up yeah. happening is there are months and months and months spent just debugging you know, trying to find where the problem is. And so, so many of them are not doing that. And just basically what that means is that they're on older versions of the software and they continue to operate on older versions of the software. Um, and so, you know, this has been a major push by a lot of these ERP vendors to try to get out to the cloud. Um, and the, the reality is, is that for some function, it makes a lot of sense, um, you know, for supply chain, again, because of the conditions that I have just enumerated, it just doesn't make sense. And so what happens and also because of M&A, you know, the acquisitions and the mergers that, that organizations do, Often you will have, you know, one version of the software here, yeah. another version over here. Sometimes they're not even the same software vendor. And so you have this major hodgepodge, you know, mm -hmm. and it makes it so difficult for supply chain leaders and supply chain professionals to see anything and understand anything about what's going on. It's just ex excessively time consuming. And, and, and you know what, though? I mean, we're only as good as the information we have. Uh, and, right. and every supply chain leader that I'm talking to is telling me that the holy grail is this end-to-end -end supply chain visibility so that they can make better decisions, right? That's they right. They can make better oh. decisions. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't know if I'd rather have that or a winning lottery ticket, or if that is the winning lottery ticket, someone no, that can solve that yeah, problem. I know, I know. You know, I know. You know? But, but let's, let's talk a little bit about all these new technologies that are out there. It's, there's so many buzzwords, so much hype around AI, machine learning. Yeah. And what you're telling me is that there's simple, big, simple issues with regards to automation or, or the integration of ERP systems that are not being solved. Uh, That's right. how, how does a leader navigate this? Then I'm going to add another thing, complexity, yeah. uncertainty, yeah. COVID. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, there's you know, this big thing. Uh, COVID. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, that's why I'm glad I'm talking to the person that was dropped in the deep end, like most yeah. supply chain leaders, right? Most supply chain operational leaders, I think they're all in the deep end. So I've just thrown all of that at you again, COVID, complexity, you know, big problems, hype and buzz and noise. What do they do? What can they do? Yeah. I mean, you know, it, when you're, when you're basically de dealing with a plate of spaghetti like that, right? I mean, from yeah. a data perspective, it's a plate of spaghetti. It's all over the place. Yeah. And some of them yeah. don't even know where it is. Like, you know. yeah. Um, so how then do you deal with, you know, like when people say, well, you need to start using AI and ML and, you know, you need to, you know, you need to move in this direction. No, it, and, it's more like, oh, haven't you seen they're using AI and yeah. ML? You have <laughs> to use AI and ML because if you know, they shame <laughs> you. If not, if you're not, you what? You're not using AI and some of these guys are still on Excel spreadsheets, but whatever. That's another story. Yeah, but I'm going to talk about that, actually. So that that's it. That's exactly it. That's how they solve to this problem, by the way. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, so, yeah. So, it you know. It's just unrealistic, right? I mean, you you, yeah. you you just can't move from a plate of spaghetti of data and then all of a sudden just, you know, through a metamorphosis of some kind, right? 
yeah. um, be able to use, you know, artificial intelligence and machine learning of some sort, right? It just doesn't happen yeah. like that. And then, but, but and it's not just the technology. You've got a problem with upskilling of people, right? Yes. You have changing your processes. Oh, changing you got to processes. Ch- change processes. You've got to do everything. So, you know, I think that I, I think that in most circumstances, like when when we work with organizations to try to get them to say, okay, where do I begin, right? Where do I start? I think the first thing you got to start doing is really taking a look at your processes and do a little bit of what we call process mining. Um, we, okay. we work with a vendor called Abby that has a great product um, that does that actually. They, the timeline product can be used in that way. And I love it because immediately what happens is you get, a, you, you start, because vi- people are visual, right? Especially when yeah. you're looking yeah, at yeah. processes. I don't know if you remember Six Sigma, like with Six Sigma, you do the fishbone. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Six Sigma people here. So, yeah. you know, you do the fishbone and everything else. Well, think about it the same way, but now it's doing it for you, right? So you, you can start plugging in processes into the system and you can start visualizing and seeing what's happening. And I love it because it quickly tells you when there's a problem, you can visualize it, you can see it and you're like, huh, okay. Then you have to come to a decision of like, okay, well, what's really worthwhile for me right now? What mm-hmm. can I automate? that I don't really need to have a human being look at it. I mean, there's plenty of unassisted functions inside supply chain that quite frankly, a human being does not need to look at, right? I mean, for mm-hmm. one thing, does my commercial invoice match my bill of lading? You know, yeah. it should, right? If it doesn't- But often it doesn't. The, <laughs> yeah, then you have problems, you have delays, the broker doesn't know what, you know, then you're not paying enough, then you have to reconcile and audit this. And I mean, it's like, it's a mess, right? You don't, it's, it's all this stuff that you have to do that really just is just, you know, grinding at you all the time. And it's like, you know, that is an un- perfect example of an unassisted process that can be yeah. easily automated that you do not yeah. need to have a human being involved in. Now, having said that, there are also processes where you absolutely want a human being to keep an eye on it and to have to make a decision, you know, and at that point, the beautiful part about, you know, incorporating some of these automation functions, and then now we're talking about putting in some of the machine, machine learning in here is to give the human being an augmented view of the possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, immediately, you can use machine learning to say, hey, what if? If this happens, what if I do this? What if I do that? What if I do this? Give me three choices and I'm going to go ahead and pick the best one. Okay. Mm-hmm. So those are the great places to start bringing in some of this technology. The, the thing about that is that you don't necessarily need to have, you know, that, because now you have to talk about the upskilling aspect, right? You don't need to have data scientists on board. I mean, it's wonderful to have a data science team. Don't get me wrong. And I think a lot of organizations are definitely making investments. Now. I think I, I saw a number in the almost, like almost 60% now of organizations, you know, have made an investment in a, in a CDAO with a team, a science team, you know, data science team attached to them. I think that's great. You know, the fact of it is, is these people are, um, are expensive, you know, they're, they're hard to come by yeah. uh, from a skill set perspective, and you need to use them for your big bets, right? That's okay. where you want to uh, put them. Well, I, I was going to say, I, I would probably, I would probably challenge and say that maybe a lot of companies don't appreciate data anyway. They're not necessarily very data driven uh, or from a leadership perspective. And so maybe they're hiring data scientists, hoping to have some sort of magic bullet to solve their problems. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
but they don't necessarily get that. I mean, you, you said something earlier about um, th- that a lot of these companies sort of don't know where, you know, where to start to take this sort of leap into digital, to take this sort of jump into a, a different way of thinking. I heard it the other day, I had, I had a conversation with someone who said to me, you know, Maria, digital transformation isn't everything it, I thought it was. And I think that there's this attitude. I mean, I'm going to tell you what I think, but you tell me if I'm right, yeah. if you've heard the same, which is most people think that digital transformation is supposed to be this sort of, again, magic bullet that is going to make things a lot easier. And so they, they either don't invest enough because they can't see the return on investment right away yeah. or because they don't know how to invest enough. You know, they don't know where to start, how to implement this. And then you've got a lot of vendors out here saying invest, 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 but they don't take into consideration processes, upskilling people. So what is the whole picture? Or what is the best way to look at this picture? I would have to say, I think based on my training, I would say you you have to start with the customer first. You have to start Mm -hmm. from the outside in versus inside out. Most organizations look at digital transformation from the inside out, meaning how do I take all this spaghetti, this plate of spaghetti of data everywhere? How do I take this plate of spaghetti of processes as well, right? And now somehow blend them all together in a blender and create this new alphabet soup with it that is going to be this magical thing, right? That is absolutely the wrong way to approach it because it's, it's overwhelming. And you could just start throwing millions of dollars at it. It'll never stop. Yeah, but that goes back to my earlier question of, okay, so then you've got all this digital transformation journey in a volatile, uncertain, complex environment with COVID uh, yep. and with disruptive disruption and with new you know, faster, more agile companies breathing down your neck. So what happens? It creates a perfect storm, doesn't it? For people to sort of stagnate and stay still and still not get the best analytics and visibility on their business. So I think you just said something about looking at things from the outside and starting with the customer. So what is the right way to do this? Is, Is it starting there and how do we start? Yeah, I think it's definitely starting with the customer. I love this process called design thinking. I don't know if anybody's, you know, knows anything about this, mm-hmm. but it's called design thinking. And I love it because it's it's a human-centered approach to unraveling and unpeeling the onion and unraveling difficult problems, right? Um, and I love it because it absolutely approaches it from that standpoint. It approaches everything from the user, the end, the, the end user's standpoint. What is the mm-hmm. pain point that they are having? Um, and how do you make their life? better right and how do you mm-hmm. then create a solution around that right mm-hmm. um and i think that if you start there um that gives you a, a, a starting point that is going to give you direct results because ultimately speaking if you're going through this digital transformation yeah it's for your organization of course but ultimately it's to do what right to get results to make a difference and make and to solve and get a problem. results to solve a problem and more so to create differentiation for your organization right and yeah. so yeah. that's why it's important to start from the outside in you know i think the design thinking process is a great way to approach it because it allows a diverse community to come to together because diversity is really important to this process, by the way. Diverse team, the diversity of the team brings a lot of creative aspects to the problem solving. Um, And then what happens is that it's a human-centered approach on how you're actually unraveling the problem because you're constantly thinking about what makes this better for the person at the other end who has the pain point, right? And then um, you come out with these high um, high value, high feasibility projects that you can do, 
very quickly. You know, we often do this actually to get our organizations that we're working with, customers we're working with, to get them started on figuring out where to actually start tackling some of their analytic problems. But do you have any maybe success stories that you can talk about or failures, you know, or, or things, you know, in terms yeah. of practical advice, obviously without giving us names or anything, yeah. any case studies? We have, you know, organizations, again, who just didn't really know where to get started, but they were pretty ambitious, right? They were like, hey, we want, we're going to start in finance and we're going to start in supply chain. And we see that a lot, actually, right now. A lot of yeah. that that dual track, dual swim lanes going on in in uh, digitalizing finance and digitalizing the supply chain. And it makes sense if you think about around this COVID situation, both of those actually, both of those line of business have been affected. One directly because of the construct of, this, of the structure and the architecture and the problem, the physical problems, right? And then yeah. the other, it's, it's basically from the symptoms of the physical problem and what's happening are being affected. And they just can't seem to react fast enough to what's happening. So they're having to digitally transform as well. And um, so when they, you know, they just don't even know where to get started. And so you, you, you actually take them, you take these teams, right? And you start working through these problems using the design thinking process. Um, and uh, you come out with these proof of concepts, what we call the high feasibility, you know, high value types of proof of concepts and projects. And then what we usually do is we throw them into a hackathon. So imagine you have this hackathon happening and, and it's an amazing thing because you get these, again, these very diverse group of people that have never done a hackathon before. Um, you put them together with a few people who understand how to use uh, the analytic uh, software, put them with an engineer, for example, and a couple and a couple people who are pretty well-versed in using the software. Um, and that's their first experience. And what happens is immediately, I love it because people just converge and they start solving problems together. Okay. They start, um, you know, I mean, if you can rationally think through a problem, you can do analytics. It, it, it's not, right. you know, there's not no magic bullet here. Um, if you can think through the problem, you can use a drag and drop application, you know, to start solving and building a model you start really starting to see the fruit of your labor and start seeing the calculations happen and you see the results and all of a sudden it's like, wow, look at that. Wow, look at that. You know, it, it's amazing. And it, it's not, you know, we're not, not talking about, you know, months here. You know, you're talking about four days. In four days, really? people are solving problems. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. Four days are solving problems. And at the end, you do the calculation of something and you're like, wow. And they find millions of dollars. They're like, oh my gosh, look at that. We're overpaying over here by this much. Oh my gosh, look at this really? what's happening. Oh yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing. And they just go, wow, you know, it's, it's great. And the impact and, can be so, the impact can be so sudden or oh, so yeah, like so quick. It absolutely is. Yeah, absolutely is. It always is actually. It's always sudden. Okay, well, that's good. And yeah. so, okay, so you've talked about what to do, but what about what not to do? You know, I mean, we could probably yeah. spend a whole lot of time there. Uh, you probably have some stories that you can tell of, you know, maybe without giving names again, but, you know, on uh, what you shouldn't do. There, I think there's two points, right? I kind of mentioned it earlier. I think that uh, organizations are definitely making investments, right? And I think that... Yeah. Um, I think that it's wonderful to have, uh, again, your data science team and everything, but I think yeah. that you have to really think about what you want them to do and what you want them to be. In, in large global organizations, I think where it makes sense is for them to shepherd 
you know, let them tackle, you know, let them tackle some of the big bets, some of the big gnarly problems that you're trying to, to, to deal with, but you have to enable, you know, the business, the, the, the business user uh, that sits all over the globe to solve their own problem. Because there's a myriad of things and if efficiencies and again, these these sudden breakthroughs where you find this money and you're like, wow, look at that, you know, I mean, that's all over the place. It's all over the place. Right. So you need to enable those users to do that. So, you know, think somehow thinking that the data science team is going to magically wave their wand and get all that done is just just not realistic. However, they do have an important role to play in the other part of it. And that is to shepherd, right? They're there, they could take that, that they can build that um, innovative relationship with the rest of the organization to bring them, you know, a standardization on how to access data, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. bring them standardization on a platform, an analytic platform that, again, that's a self-service, easy to use, code-free analytic platform, right, that people, business users can upskill to pretty quickly and start solving problems on their own. They can, they can have a hand in, in in standardizing that and saying, these are the best practices, this is how you do it just so that everyone is sort of on the same playing field, right? But if you think about it, it's super advantageous for them because as they see some of these results come through, you know, again, it's a spark of innovation or even for that data science team to start taking a look at some trends and patterns and clusters and see, look at key indicators and go, hmm, maybe there's something here and maybe now we're going to put our brains to this. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it's a great, it's a great way to work. It's, it's a web. It really is. It's a spider web. You know, you touch so, one thing here and it changes one thing over there. <laughs> and they're all invested. I mean, and the people that are, that are getting involved in this are invested in the success and invested in what they find and in yeah. de- developing, aren't yeah. they? Uh, what about at the top? So let's talk about maybe you're, you know, the supply chain directors, the supply chain leaders, the team leaders. You know, I, I hear stories about people trying to teach themselves Python and uh, trying oh to teach God. themselves all all kinds of new yeah. technology. I mean, and let's be honest, you know, these are people that are, uh, you know, uh, uh, Gen X and beyond to be kind. My age. Uh, <laughs> exactly. You know, what is that saying about old dog and new tricks? <laughs> uh, me too. Me too. That's what I'm saying, you know, and, and ba- hey, by the way, we are the coolest generation. I will say that, yes, you know, but are. yes, we are. Yeah, my so, hair but, was purple but, at one time. <laughs> oh, exciting. Uh, well, let's not even talk about the use of hairspray, you know, what that did to our brains, but yeah. um. But, uh, you know, is that feasible? Is that what what supply chain leaders should be doing? Or should they, you know, let the experts do what the experts do? And and is is it are they doing that because they're so befuddled because there's so much noise and hype? And, you know, so, so how do you feel about that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I think that I had heard somewhere where, you know, someone had given the advice of, hey, if you're a supply chain leader and you're, you know, within this, with this basically age <laughs> bracket, right? Uh, best thing you can do is go hire some young people that know how to, you know, code R and Python. Um, mm-hmm. Gosh, you know what, I kind of shake my head to that, right? I mean, there's some there's some element of truth. I mean, the, the truth in that is that, hey, we should invest in our younger generation, absolutely. And we should bring them in the fold. And we should give them the experience that they require. 
but even then, right? I mean, it's like, as as a you know, as a Gen Xer myself, right? In in this, it's scary. It's, it gets scary because everything is moving so fast. You know, I, I even think about well, how do I stay relevant? How how does somebody stay relevant, right? Um, mm-hmm. You you don't want to take an employee who has um, you know, especially in supply chain, who has years of experience, right? Because supply chain is you know half. Um, half process and data, right? But, you know, from a, from a quali- qualitative, excuse me, quantitative yeah, perspective. Yeah, yeah. And the other half is kind of an art. Yeah. It always yeah. has been. Think about people who do forecasting. Eh, it's, it's about half an yeah. art, right? You yeah, know? yes, it so, is. You know, so these folks are, 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 are the shamans inside their organizations. Absolutely, right? And they know it very, very well. And mm-hmm. they know who to call. They know, you know, what, to, how to get things through. They make things, they make magic happens when the tough times, when, the, when things get tough. And, and um, you don't want to throw out, you know, the baby with the bathwater. This is ridiculous, no. right? You want to enable these people and you want to make them feel comfortable that this is technology that is at their fingertip and at their grasp. You know, mm-hmm. I was an Altrix user before coming mm-hmm. to work for for Altrix. You know, uh, um, I, I was an Altrix user. Uh, why? Because I found it easy to upskill. I found it easy to do what I needed to do and bring in those skill sets um, without having for me um, to go back to learning how to code R or Python um, to do um, analytics um, and to solve I mean, do it, do it, does anybody really have time for that today? You know, well, that's days. the other thing too. I mean, where do you find, and, and who pays for that? I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, the previous organization I worked for, um, you know, didn't, didn't pay for it. Um, you mm. know, so it's not, it wasn't something but who has the they, time. I mean, that, yeah. that's my point is who has the time. Yeah. Uh, so, so right now you're helping organizations that are dealing with this uncertainty of how to implement, you know, digital really get the most value out of digital transformation. Um, And does that mean that, I mean, is is this something that you're helping companies with? Are they finding more visibility? Are they finding that they're making better decisions? Are they finding more value, more return on investment? Oh gosh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. And like, and we, as we talked before, right, it's almost instantaneous. You you do, you do these, uh, it's amazing uh, again, uh, how, when we do these hackathon at the end of the hackathon, we always find these, these incredible amounts of value immediately within like four days of solving, you know, something, right. And it, it's, it's really unreal. So imagine you multiply that out, right. You do this now and you multiply it out throughout your organization. You can really start finding some efficiencies uh, and some real ROI, um, and, you know, and, and you can solve to this, to this problem of upskilling your people because, you know, if, to do the digital transformation, again, it's not just about, hey, can I bring in some magical software that's going to help me get there, right? It has to do with, hey, how are, are you also bringing along your employees and their skill sets to be able to support yeah. this ongoing, right? Um, yeah. And that's really important. So again, to your point, who's got the time? Who's got the time yeah. to go out there and start upskilling everybody in R and Python? I mean, it's just it's just not realistic. Scale is scale is the key. Uh, you got to mm-hmm. be able to scale, and so it's got to be friction. It's, it's got to be frictionless, and that's what you're looking for. You're looking for something where you're not trying to take a whole bunch of point solutions and blend them together. You want something that gives you 
a platform where it can easily integrate other pieces that are necessary, um, like RPA, for instance, you know, like the box mm -hmm. uh, technology, integrate into ERP systems from the front end, but also on the back end, um, you know, integrate into visualization tools um, that are really uh, really great visualization tools out there like a Tableau or Power BI, um, business uh, intelligence tools, obviously, as well, well. All of this seems more realistic. You know, all of this seems yeah. more realistic if you're able to actually implement this and gain value from it and gain value quite quickly. I'm very impressed by what you said, that your hackathons are producing sort of pretty immediate palpable value. Uh, yeah. I think that a lot of the a lot of the people that are that that watch us and listen to this podcast will be also very intrigued by that. So, um, yeah. I want to thank you. Um, I want to thank you, uh, Anne Colleen, before jumping in and, and speaking with us and talking to us about uh, uh, about all of this. Uh, any parting thoughts? Any parting sort of advice for uh, for for our supply chain leaders? Yeah, I mean, I think I think just you know, be patient, don't be undaunted. I think that you have to crawl before you walk and run. Um, and there's definitely a, a way to approach the problem. I think, take a look at it from the perspective of, uh, of your user, of the end user um, and their, their problem. Uh, start there, start with solving some of those problems. Start taking a look at those processes, uh, bring some creative creativity to it by uh, using approaches like design thinking, for example, to solve to it. Um, and then, you know, do some process mining, understand what is the cause, what's happening and see where within that, that process, you can start bringing in some automation. And then from the automation, then you can start jumping into bringing in some more, you know, more modern technologies like incorporating machine learning, for example, um, and look for products that allow you to do that in a very code free environment, um, where it's, 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 you know, you answer five questions, you bring in the data you mm -hmm. answer five questions it starts helping you walking you through the process you know and then all of a sudden you now have you know this uh this great machine learning experience and automated process i mean that's what you're looking for you're looking for those kinds of implementations so what you're saying it doesn't have to be as complicated as all that so really um, it really doesn't and and you want to look for also partners that bring that bring that guidance with them right? You want people that have done this before who can walk you through and just make it a heck of a lot less scary. Well, we don't need it. Like I keep saying, we, who has time for that these days? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So, and if people want to get in touch with you, obviously they can get in touch via us uh, here at yeah. Transform TV or directly with you on LinkedIn. Uh, and Colleen, thank you so much. Thank I appreciate you. you being here and thank I'm you. sure we'll see you again uh, at, uh, here on Transform TV. Sounds great. Thank you, Maria. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And for those of you watching, we'll see you again on Transform TV.